All right, guys. Today we have a special guest on our podcast. He's a longtime friend of mine. We basically formed our education together. Uh, we grew together as young men in uh, the tumultuous environment of becoming a regular person to forming yourself as a chiropractor and as a healer. And uh, I always like to start out anytime I reference uh, this gentleman, I always uh, I like to tell this story because uh, it really is, you know, one of the things that happens when um, you meet somebody that's just outside your, outside the normal and outside of uh, your wheelhouse. Uh, I was in chiropractic college and uh, I joined in in the third semester, I try, uh, third trimester from another school. And uh, so I kind of joined in, everyone kind of knew each other. And I walked into the classroom, not knowing too many people. And you look around and you see, you know, your average crew in there, young people, middle-aged people, all getting their chiropractic degrees. And of course, then there was this, you know, somewhat large individual in, you know, coming into the classroom. Everyone had backpacks, you know, little uh, devices to carry their books and may, maybe a thermos and an apple. And then uh, this gentleman comes in with a bag. I think it's a hockey bag. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but basically it, you can put goaltending equipment in this thing to give you an idea how big it was. And I said, what's with this guy's bag? And people are like, oh, that's, that's Dr. Fred Cleary. Or, you know, that's Fred at that point, right? He wasn't a doctor yet. And everyone said, you know, uh, he's got a full cadaver in the bag. Like the, run, the running joke was that Fred had so many supplies in there. Uh, there was medical equipment. There were nutrients, life-saving equipment. Uh, you know, uh, you know, all, all kinds of stuff in case any, if anything happened, you could open that bag up and save a life, you know, give a demonstration, feed, feed a small country. Uh, there, you know, there's of course water in there. And uh, I think it was DMSO was in there for liniments, horse liniment was in there. So if you need anything, but anyway, uh, that was my first meeting, uh, first vision of Freddie. didn't talk to him yet. Uh, and then I go into the weight room and I'm doing the leg extension and flexion machine because, you know, my history is pretty simple. I was an okay athlete, always keeping in shape, eating healthy, got interested in chiropractic. We can get into that whole thing another time. Um, and then uh, Fred came up to me and he, he said, you know, you're getting any results on that device? And I'm like, no, every time I do this thing back and forth, the leg flexion extent, you know, I don't really feel like it's a come come on over here to squat rack, right? And I'm thinking, uh, okay. So I walk over to a device I'd never seen before, in your classic squat rack, Olympic bar, and the giant set of weights on there. And before you know it, he's got me going up and down with some kind of ungodly amount of weight on my back. Uh, and I started to feel these changes in my legs actually immediately that uh, were, were curious. There, it was a sensation I never felt before. It was my muscles growing in a massive amount immediately. And uh, of course, I couldn't walk too well the next day. I think Fred saw me trying to make it up the stairs. And I think he took me in a room and rubbed me down with some kind of horse liniment that was in his bag. And it was my first introduction to what it was like to be around someone who had pushed the bar in his life to a level that I've never seen. I'd watch Olympic lifting on television as a child and the bar would bend and these guys are going. It was amazing, but I'd never seen it in person. I never knew anyone that did it. And um, I found out that Fred was a, you know, a power lifter from very young age. And I wanted to get into that a little bit because it's such a big part of his life. And he had, uh, you know, had world's record 
And uh, I thought, well, this is, an, this is an incredible thing. But the intensity of Dr. Fred Cleary was always what I was drawn to, because I tend to be a reasonable person to a fault. And I'm attracted to people that are kind of unreasonable because I like coming out of that reasonable guy thing that's my default setting and going to the next level. And I think Fred's attraction to me was always like, I was keeping him like kind of in the box a little more. So <laughs> there were less terrified people when they looked at him, you know, you got to kind of tuck him in and, and straighten him out a little because, you know, people would just, people would scream and run the other way when he walked down the hall. So uh, <laughs> the two of us were set opposites at first, I thought. And then we started trading backgrounds and motivation, upbringings, Catholic school upbringing. And, and we realized we're actually a set of kind of odd brothers. And from that developed an, an amazing friendship, challenging at times. Uh, we weren't afraid to insult each other. We weren't afraid to challenge each other, all in, all in good fun. And uh, it became just a, a great relationship. And I've watched Fred grow into his career in an amazing way. Um, and uh, we've, we've had small intervals. We didn't see each other much just because we got, you know, started having kids in a busy practice. He's in Minnesota, I'm in New York. Uh, but I think that's uh, a good enough introduction to how we got to know each other and uh, how it all started. But uh, I, I want to welcome Dr. Fred Cleary. He's a chiropractor. He has diplomats and uh, a, a bunch of different stuff, I believe, but you can talk to me about that at first. But uh, first, tell me, you know, first question, uh, you know, wh what got you started on this road? What made you want to get into the healing arts and get into this kind of thing? Well, thanks for having me, Mike. I, I really appreciate it, Doc. Um, Happy New Year to you and your family. It's hopefully 2021 will be better than 2020. We Gotta can only be. hope. <laughs> Gotta be. Doing everything I can to make it happen and everyone around in my sphere, you know? That's all we can do is protect yeah. our own bubbles right now. Yeah. And I guess we'll get into that a little later. Well, I'm Dr. Fred Clary. I'm a chiropractic neurologist. That means I have uh, a further training in neurology. When you think of chiropractors, a lot of your listeners, a lot of the patients out there, non-doctors will probably think of necks and backs and sciatica. Um, I treat uh, mental health conditions, um, Parkinson's, which is a movement disorder, Huntington's, cerebral palsy, strokes. So I'm, I'm not your average bear, you know. I, I go after the hard stuff. I figure if I can get somebody out of a wheelchair, I can fix their sore neck. So I always went for the higher thing. Um, my background is I am from Baltimore, um, an area of Baltimore called Dundalk that you don't want to drive through in the dark at any time, even if you're from there. Um, so it, actually, I was um, watching YouTube videos about Dundalk um, yesterday. I just was flipping through the YouTube on the, the big screen. And my wife, wife said, what is this? I said, oh, look at this murder. Look at this pool of blood at the old mall I used to look at, I used to work at. There's just constant news mm -hmm. about, uh, you know, how rough it is. Um, and so it's a, it, it's a different mindset. But uh, I got involved in chiropractic because I, I wanted to be initially a cardiologist. So mm -hmm. I went through school. I wanted to be a cardiologist and, uh, you know, wanted to do, and then I, was leaning toward physical therapy too, because the way we do cardiac rehabilitation, physical rehabilitation, rehabilitation in this country is um, ass backwards. Am I allowed to cuss? Are we going to go explicit? I don't know. Moderate, moderate, moderate. moderate. Okay. Yeah. We don't want to do too much editing, but it's backwards. The way we do rehabilitation for the heart seer is backwards. doesn't follow science, doesn't follow biology, doesn't follow common sense. 
and we set people up for chronic conditions and weakness. And I wanted to attack this. So this is the 1980s that I was thinking this. Um, I was also a power lifter at the time. Um, uh, you know, I had set world records as a teenager, deadlifted like 800 pounds as a kid. Um, one of my world records from 1987 still stands, um, which is amazing because the Russians and the Germans are always trying to knock those damn things off. So I, I had been competing and lifting since about age 13, 14, um, and uh, injured my back. So I'm about 18, 19, 20. I'm, I'm 19 at this point. Injured my back. Figure I'm going to go to my last, um, my last powerlifting meet. I'm beat up. I'm banged up. I couldn't train well. Um, finals really took a toll at me at the University of Maryland, Baltimore County. And I figured, you know what? I'm going to go out with a bang. I'm going to do one more, one more, one more contest. So I went to the Open Nationals um, in 1988, spring of 88 in Chicago. Um, I think I placed seventh in my weight class, which, uh, you know, I was used to beating men since I was a teenager. But, you know, I figured, hey, I could hardly train. I'll take top 10 because it was pretty stacked deck, um, especially with me limping around. Mm -hmm. And I walked by this guy on a portable chiropractic table. I, I know it to be now, but I'm like, what is this guy doing? He's working on all these big guys. And he was maybe a buck 50 soaking wet. I mean, my thighs were bigger than his whole body. And he goes, hey, man, I can help you with that limp. And I'm like, of course, I had worked in physical therapy and in medicine and volunteered and was actually working at a physical therapy clinic at the time in Annapolis, Maryland. And I'm like, what's this quack going to do? He can't hurt me. Look how big I am. I mean, my thighs are bigger than his whole body. So I lay down and in five minutes, I, I was out of pain for the first time in six months. And I'm like, whoa, am I the idiot? I'm ignorant, ignorant, not, you know, stupid, but ignorant lack of knowledge. Mm -hmm. So I went home, went to the library, got the card catalog. We didn't have those fancy things they have now called computers, pulled out every book in uh, the Baltimore Central Library on chiropractic. There was one. I was going to say it was just one book. <laughs> it was one book. Always um, went through that. Didn't help me at all. Got the yellow pages for you youngsters out there under 30. That's a big, thick book that had all the advertisement of all the businesses in your town. Mm -hmm. So I got the yellow pages out, and this is before Google, and I found some chiropractors in my area, and I called them up and said, can I come visit? And a couple of them let me come visit. And I'm like, this is what I want to do. And within a few months, I was at uh, Northwestern here in uh, Minnesota. Um, you think I would have gone to an encyclopedia and looked up weather conditions in Minnesota because yeah. I was used to nice seasons. Um, if it snowed two or three inches, they shut the town down for a day because they just wait the next day to be 40 and it'll melt. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I came out here and uh, I fell in love um, with a profession that its whole purpose, if you, if you tear it all down and, and get rid of some of those idiots out there, it's really about pushing human potential. Mm -hmm. allowing you to connect with your true self mm -hmm. and push yourself physically, mentally, spiritually, if I'm allowed to say this on this podcast, 100%. I think it really pushes you um, to be all you can be and you don't have to join the army. <laughs> so that's how I got into it, Doc. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree when, when you talk about what chiropractic really does, it's always fascinating to me because uh, people think I treat headaches and back pain and I'm always like, okay, um, you can, you can, we'll let you have that for now, but let me tell you, really, 
I look at it as I am hunting down stagnation and creating flow, right? And I don't care if it's in the mind. I don't care if it's in your, in your neurochemistry, uh, your, your biology. I'm looking for the stagnant part of you. And it could be a thought that you're stagnating on. And I'm just going to throw some uh, Tony Robbins or throw some Wayne Dyer, um, something that's going to say, okay, Krishna said that, Christ said that. Wow, you just opened my mind up. That's, I can't believe it. Give a different perspective. I mean, that's the emotional stuff. And I always think that every great chiropractor should be at least somewhat of a philosopher, somewhat of a spiritual being, because you're, you, people come in with neck pain, they think it's their neck, right? I mean, that's the end. That's the very end dangling thread of a massive ball of, of, of twisted wreckage that's inside that person. And the thread is just waving in the air and it happens to be a neck or a back or a skin rack. I'm looking for that knot you know, that tangled up set of threads, that tangled up set of neurology, right? Yeah. And, and, and trying to get stagnation to go to flow. And I, I think it's the simplest thing uh, that I can tell people. And I'll say, I'm a stagnation doctor. I'm, I hunt stagnation, I create flow. You know, when you start flowing, you're gonna feel it. And that's the most beautiful thing in the world is to flow, right? Well, that, that's it, fantastic. I, I, look at, I look at it very similar. I mean, someone will come in and they're not breathing correctly. They're not moving correctly. They say, I have migraines. And I've been to the mayonnaise. I mean, Mayo, sorry. Um, Mayo in Rochester, the best, the best clinic. I've been to Johns Hopkins. I've been to here. And no one, they've burnt my nerves. They've given me all these drugs. And I'm like, well, you don't move. You move like crap. Um, you breathe like crap. Can we, can we start like that? You can't even sit properly. We need to start with that. How are your thoughts? Where are you? I mean, there's a lot of people, my adjustment, and that's what chiropractors call their correction, our intervention into the human. I mean, sometimes my adjustment is like, you got to leave the idiot. I mean, that's a terrible husband. He's abusive. Get the hell out. That was my adjustment. I didn't have to touch a bone. Exactly. You know? Creating a flow. Yeah, you want exactly. That They're stagnant in a relationship. And you're going to yeah. say, okay, that's an impossible situation to fix. You need to move. Yes. Right. And, I, and uh, a lot I, of people come into me with so many chronic conditions, I've had a stroke and you'll be amazed doc. I, you know, because I'm like a stroke specialist, I have so many stroke patients that their doctor, and I kid you not, it makes me cry. I might get teary eyed and thank God you're, hopefully you're just pulling, are you going to do the video on this? Or are you going to, are you just pulling the audio? I, I like the video. I got with you. I got to have the video. <laughs> I got okay. the look so, is part so, of the term. Yeah. So, so one of the, one of the most amazing things is I'll have patients that will come in and they've had a stroke, they've done some physical therapy and they're doing well with that. And they go through the physical therapy and they leave and they, you know, they can barely, they barely have any improvement. They can barely move. No one's told them why they had the stroke in the first place. I mean, you, they're eating at McDonald's, they're eating Twinkies, they're sitting around watching Netflix, they're not moving. Um, they have chronic inflammation in their body. No one, no one is helping them say, hey, we need to find out what started this so you don't have another stroke. Because you're undermined, your foundation for health is so undermined. We have to go after that. We can go after, as you described, the dangling strings and we can do that all day, but you got to get down that knot. You got to work your way down the rope to find that knot to find out where the problem is. And it may be they have too much stress. You know, the best thing that happened for some of my patients is a stroke because then they get to meet me. 
and that's not egotistical, but I'm going to talk to them about their relationships at home. How's your marriage? Well, marriage wasn't so good before. So you think that added stress helped you heal better or did it set you up for the stroke? Well, you know, I drink, mm -hmm. you know, I come home and drink and, you know, all that stress at home and all the, all, all your kids hate you and your boss hates you and you have all these problems. I said, well, you were supposed to stroke. You're trying to get rid of yourself. You're so miserable in life. You're just doing it slowly. The yeah. problem is you survived the event. Now, what are you going to do with yourself? Are you going to change your habits? Are you going to alter and modify, alter and improve? Most people don't like the word change. Alter and improve who you are as a human being. When you alter and improve who you are as a human being and reach your potential, then you're not worried about the stroke. And you're going to look at the stroke and this dis-ease, this lack of ease in your body as the best thing that could ever happen to you. It slowed you down enough to take a look. I like what Mike Tyson used to say to all, you know, when people talked about their opponents, well, what do you think about your opponents going to do this and that? And he goes, everyone has a plan until I hit him in the mouth. Yeah. You know, that, yeah. and that's the same thing. Everyone has a plan for life. They think they can keep drinking their beer and eating their Twinkies and sitting around watching Netflix and taking drugs, potions, lotions, and vaccines and going against the principles of biology and neurology. And they actually think, that their body's just going to carry on because they want it to. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I can get up on top of my roof and say, I want to fly, but we call that insanity. And if I jump off, I'm going to hit the ground. So a lot of people are hitting the ground and then they get back into the same system, the medical system that says, oh, you know, you're limited. You're a human being. And this virus, this bug, this fungus is more stronger than you are. Take this pill, take this lotion. All humans are supposed to be weak. All humans are supposed to be diseased. Are you kidding me? We're on top of the food chain. But mm -hmm. yet somehow we believe this story that we're limited. Mm -hmm. And yes, I'm not talking about limited. You're poor. You came from a bad area. Absolutely. But the thing is that your body is limited. I mean, after millions of years of evolution and natural selection, we end up on top of the, the food chain. And now in the last 100 or 200 years, we're being told that we're limited and we have to give in to disease. We have to give in to pain. Um, this, you just have to live with it. Well, no, you're, you're supposed to expand and reach your potential. That is your job as a human being is to reach your potential. Yeah, and to, to know where that potential is, you have to get out of your comfort zone, right? That's something that yeah. uh, one of the things you and I used to always talk about is, I remember one time you drew a circle on a piece of paper for me, <laughs> and you put a bunch of dots inside the circle. Do you know this? Do you still do this with people? I and still do this with people. Yeah, okay. I think I did it in the cafeteria, and I remember everyone getting around and people just shaking their head, Clary's crazy. Well, yeah, you know? uh, of course. And so you put all these dots in the circle, and you said, there's your life. And when you, then you put a dot outside the circle and you said, look, that was uncomfortable. And then the person runs back and does the more little dots in the circle. And something, someone, some, some magic motivation, some, a stroke, uh, falling in love, finding a new hobby, taking a deep series of breaths, you get the audacity to jump out of the circle again and make another dot. And sometimes while you're out there, you make a bunch and now all of a sudden your circle just got bigger. And you think about what a child is versus an, a, an experienced wise person. That wise person, they, they develop wisdom oftentimes from being either forced or voluntarily coming out of that little circle and making their sphere 
their circle bigger and bigger and bigger. And pretty soon they encompass so much emotion, so much experience, intellect, um, empathy, sympathy, that their, their circle is so beautiful. And you, you get around that person, you can just feel it. It's an energy that this person has suffered. This person has, has rejoiced. This person feels joy. They know what it's like to be so many different people in so many different uh, situations. They're truly a large person, some, someone bigger than the average person just walking around fulfilling their base needs and never reaching outside that. So yeah, that, that was a great little circle. And I thought that's just, I've done that for countless people, especially young people that are yes. kind of feeling limited and they're afraid of a lot. They're just, you know, all these people with anxiety today, right? Everyone's got anxiety. Oh my goodness. I'm like, you know, anxiety, that's what you're getting this label. Really what it is, is it's, it's a little bit of fear because you're growing and something's making you grow and someone's telling you, you don't have to do that. No, you do have to do that. You have to get uncomfortable. If you want to be something, how uncomfortable is it to deadlift 840 pounds? If you're, if you're getting blood shooting out of your nose, it's probably an uncomfortable event, but what happened, you know? Exactly. You just broke a world's record, right? So to do these things, when I see people doing great things, I never get jealous. I think, wow, I want to be able to pick up on that. I want to figure out how that person was able to get on top of Mount Kilimanjaro. Um, what, what, what was the training like? How much water did they drink? But, you know, because I think I could do that. You know, I just, I don't know the exact program. This, what, what happened? I want to do that. So I think in any situation, uh, when you're talking about that potential, uh, we, I have patients similar to what you're talking about with the stroke. Real quickly, I had a patient that at 45 years old, spent his entire life up till age 45, six foot five, extremely attractive, went to Cornell University, played on the football team, did all this great stuff with his life, got married, had a kid, and uh, decided to be in a triathlon. So he's riding, he's training for the triathlon. He comes around to turn on his bike, hits a cement uh, parking stopper, flies headfirst into a building and severs the spinal cord at the cervical C5-6. Oh, wow. So all of a sudden, this guy who did all these amazing things with this really great physical blessing is in a wheelchair for life. What's he going to do? Well, first thing he did was admit to his wife that he's had multiple affairs. And he, he, he said, you really don't want to be a nurse. I think you should get on with your life because his plan was to drink himself to death and take, take as much pain meds and kill himself because he can't imagine going mm -hmm. from that shining star to someone in a chair. Yeah. His priest, fortunately, also a very good friend said, after a lot of back and forth said to him, you always like challenges. Uh, you were a triathlete. You, you were becoming a triathlete. You were a football star. You did all this stuff, but you know, I think you just got a new challenge, don't you? How are you going to do life from a chair? How powerful are you going to be from a chair? Everyone knows you're in a chair, but amazing. You can do amazing things. How about you do more from that chair than you did when you weren't in the chair? How about you do more in that chair than anyone's ever done from a chair? Mm -hmm. And that got him. Mm -hmm. So his wife said, I'm not leaving you. You're a new man. This is the man I, I always loved. This is the man who I have always seen. All that other stuff was just, you know, frosting on the cake. I didn't like the frosting. I didn't like all that stuff. I put up with it because the true heart and soul of you is amazing. The marriage got incredible. He did, I can give you a list of stuff. He passed away about two years ago. I think he was 81. I mean, from, you know, amazing long life in a chair. The wow. priest came out to give his talk as different came out and gave his talk. And the first thing the priest said to everybody, church is packed. He said, um, I'm exhausted. And everyone's like, 
you're exhausted. Well, too bad. You're giving a talk for this amazing man. He goes, let me tell you why I'm exhausted. I was up at night making a list of the accomplishments of this individual. He goes, and it's not just that. It's not just it hit two pages. <laughs> yeah. He says, it's not just a lack of sleep. It's the deflation I feel because yeah. this man did this from a chair. Yes. I, I haven't done this on two legs. And I bet you everyone in here together hasn't pulled off the humanitarian, wonderful things this guy did. Yeah. He was also a Vietnam vet, but he didn't like to tell people that because his experience in Vietnam was not bad. He, he had he just one of those few individuals that went over there and really didn't see any horrible stuff. So anyone that said, oh, you're a vet, oh, you know, thank you for the service and all that kind of stuff. He never wanted to tell people. He says, my friends dealt with the real Vietnam. I just, yeah. for weird reasons, I was stationed here and I had this. He spent some time on a beach. You know, he didn't really have uh, the horror show that a lot of our vets go through. Um, but, you know, so, right. I mean, this man did wake up to the idea, like you're saying, that um, somebody was telling him this lifestyle you're living, it's not good. You know, he was, he was heavy drinking, having affairs. His business dealings weren't always honest. He told me all this stuff. So it's an amazing, amazing thing to see someone who took that and made his life more powerful, more spiritually based, more honest. His, his honesty was amazing. Because this man, it was sometimes a little hard to take. So, so Doc, what was the adjustment? Was it you treating him in the office or was it him getting paralyzed? Well, the funny part about that is I think he was adjusting me sometimes. <laughs> of course. Right? Of course. Because yeah. these stories were so amazing. Yeah. You know, um, I was young in practice at the time and he'd ask me all kinds of questions about my marriage how I was mm -hmm. dealing with the admiration of women uh, as a doctor, mm -hmm. you know, and all this. And, in other words, was I going to make it without having an affair? Was I going to be a good man? In other words, don't do the mistakes I did. They were painful. They're not <laughs> worth it. And we had some really beautiful, honest talks about, you know, everything, you know, the, the visits, you know, they were, they were just uh, look forward to them every time I saw them. It was one of these amazing, and everybody around him was the same way. You know, he was the kind of guy that you know, he couldn't just rest on, on just barely knowing somebody. He had to get inside him. It was amazing. So, so that kind of individual took what he was given. He's in a wheelchair, you know, so what you would call a, a disability, he turned into hyper ability. He turned into becoming a superhero and he, he didn't look in the mirror and say, I'm limited. He said, mm -hmm. what else can I do? What else yeah. can I do? And, yes. you know, I, I look at even the current pandemic we're supposedly living through right now. I look at how, you know, the culture, the media, even some of our movies um, push the point that, you know, you don't have, we're all the same, that we don't need to push our potential. You know, it's okay to drop out of that class. It's okay to just audit that class. You know what? Why don't you drop gymnastics? You don't have to be in that. Why don't you drop that that class, drop that hobby, drop that sport? You don't, you know, why would you want to push yourself to the point? Um, I look at just what happened here with the pandemic. Um, when they closed all the gyms here, we moved our equipment to a friend's basement. We trained there. Then, then he moved across town. So we grabbed all the equipment, another move, moved everything an hour away. So we're still driving like an hour, you know, to train. Then the gym opened and we moved everything back this summer. Well, just in October, November, the governor said, oh, things are bad again. Close the gyms. 
So he took everything out and moved it back to his basement. Mm -hmm. And I tell people, and people say, Fred, why, why would you do all that? And I go, I don't know. I just won the Worlds and I have a gold medal around my neck. Um, you know, I set an American record in August with four fractures in my spine. You know, it's like, you know, why wouldn't you? I mean, it just blows my mind. People have no idea who they are. And I, you don't have to be a big power lifter. You know, you don't have to be like Dr. Oliver Sacks and be a power lifter and cuss a lot. You know, it's similar, you know, things us neurologists do. You don't have to do that. But what you can do is be the best parent. Or how about this? Everybody likes sex and money. Be the best investor. Be the best lover for your partner. Be the best friend to everyone around you. If you're very spiritual, be the best deacon, elder, church member. You know, what does that take? The only thing holding you back is you. you know I mean, sometimes the adjustments I do in the office are just not L5, the last lumbar, rotate it to the right, RR. Sometimes the adjustments are like, look, I'm tired of adjusting your low back. You need a better job that makes you more money and you're not so crabby about. So get off your butt and get some education. I can't tell you how many people I've sent to tech school, 30-year-olds, 40-year-olds, and pushed them back to school. I'm like, oh, the thank you, Dr. Clary, is the best thing you ever did. They didn't even mention, you know, how good my adjustments were. It's like, thank you for that recommendation. I say, yeah. I've never had anyone care about you. And I said, maybe that's the difference in chiropractic because I put my hands on you. And if I touch you, I'm sorry, that's intimacy, you know? Mm -hmm. And if you allow me, you give me the honor to enter your life that way, even if you're a crab ass, if you allow me to touch you that way, I'm going to honor you back and be respectful and tell you the truth. You yep. need to stop drinking the junk, put the pop away, eat just a little better, add a little protein and water, you know, throw it, mix in a salad with a Kentucky fried chicken, something, you know, <laughs> and I'm going to give you the truth. You know, mm -hmm. hey, you know what? Go for a walk. You know, oh, I don't want to go to the gym. I don't want to have big muscles. Nobody wants to look like me all the time. My God. You know, I'm, I'm not afraid of doors and I can walk through walls. Who wants that power? You know, yeah, I mean, who, I, I would not rather easy. be a butterfly and float around on a breeze. Or That'll be your next life. That'll be your next life. That'll be my yeah. next life is being be a butterfly. So my wife calls me the wounded butterfly. So but anyway. No, but, what, you, what you reminded me of there was when I, when I, when I find that someone hates their job. Yes. Right? And, and it's, it's so simple. It's like, oh, you're next tight. When does this hurt the most? Right? It doesn't go away at work, you know. And it's it's better on Saturday. It starts to hurt on Sunday. Oh God! And then Monday, it's terrible, right? And then and then they'll come around and tell you, I "Hate my I hate my job, I hate my boss, all this stuff," right? And I'm like, "Well, let me tell you something." And and this is still true to this day. After what 29 years in practice, ever it's been now, um, I tell everybody, everyone I've talked into quitting their job gets a better job with more pay. Yes. You're afraid to leave your job. You think you got golden handcuffs of some type. And I'm not saying be reckless with this thing. You got a mortgage, you got stuff to do, but your fear is so much bigger than the problem. You know, your problem, this, this, this challenge, this problem, whatever you want to refer to it as, that you have this job you hate and this boss you, don't, you can't stand. There's a lot of jobs out there, okay? There always is a lot of jobs. Sometimes there's too many jobs and sometimes there's only just enough. I understand unemployment. I understand you're not trained right. But get trained, like you said, you send people back. Education never ends. I'm 
sorry. There's some, there's some, there's some truths for people. You're going to have, if you want to stay healthy and happy and wealthy, you're going to have to read books. You're going to have to mm -hmm. go online. You're going to take classes. You're going to stay updated, right? If I, if I didn't learn anything, as soon as I got out of chiropractic college, I'd still be talking like it's 1992. Imagine <laughs> that, you know, I mean, I want to talk like it's 2070, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I, and, and that's how you and I have always thought is we're the doctors of the future. We're not the doctors mm -hmm. of the past. You know, I mean, when you really define what a doctor means, right at the top of that list, as you know, it means teacher, right? Yeah. So when I, I might teach somebody, your job is doing this to you. I can help you to some degree. You're going to have to come here every week now um, and you quit your job. I'll see you every two weeks, every three weeks, once a month. And then you'll start sending all your friends in because you'll be like, oh my God, he had me quit my job. He promised me. No, I didn't promise you that you were going to get a better job. I'm telling you, my record after 28 years is flawless. When people quit their jobs that I tell them to scale on them. They take all the energy that goes into and up when you get a job that actually fits your skill set, that makes you passionate, makes you want to get out of bed in the morning, uh, makes you better at that job. And you tend to get paid more for doing that. Your boss is like, this guy's on fire, right? I'm going to pay him. I don't want to lose him, him or her, right? And, and, and we're not taught that. I mean, I have, I have four teenage daughters, ninth, 10th, 11th, and 12th grade right now. And none of this is being taught. This is science. It's biology. It's psychology. Everyone knows that if you don't like going to your job, you build up um, stress hormones, right? Glucocorticoids, um, fancy words for adrenaline out there, your stress hormones, fight or flight. Yeah, and you also build up cortisol, which makes you swollen and sore and tears down your muscles. It's a great chemical to have in your body. If you're fighting a super saber tooth tiger for five minutes, it's not good to have for 50 years in your body. It would tear things up. It's right. not designed for that. It's an acute or right now chemical. So people have these stress hormones in their body and they wonder why they're angry. They have a quick temper. They have addictions. They can't eat right because if you're running around stressed out, your body wants sugar, 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 sugar. So can't understand. I was doing good on my diet and then I slammed, you know, a blueberry pie, the whole thing. Well, <laughs> you know, part of it is your job. How can my job, mm -hmm. you know, how can the job make me eat a blueberry pie? Well, let me tell you reality, right? You have a lot of stress in your body. And now, of course, we could be talking about a bad relationship too, or, you know, you don't like where you live or whatever stress your trigger is, or if you're constantly getting stressed out, over time, it's going to make you a terrible parent. It's going to make you a terrible spouse, a terrible friend, mm -hmm. a terrible lover. You know, you, I mean, think about it. You're going to have all these things that human existence, you know, is part of being a human is enjoying from the time you get up to you go to bed. Mm -hmm. If you can't enjoy life or participate in it, then guess what? Your brain's going to start saying you're dead and you're going to start getting diseases. You're not alive. You're not alive. Yeah, know. you're not alive. So might as well let this disease in. And your immune system, believe it or not, there's studies for this. And you can't see one of them in the last 10 months with this pandemic on TV telling you that your stress levels, your fear levels, your anxiety levels control how you treat this virus, control how you treat your spouse. Mm -hmm. Your fear your anxiety levels control how you learn. You can't remember anything. Have you ever been in a fight doc with your spouse or a friend or somebody 
and then you know had to recall every word you said you can't do it because no that's way. not what those stress hormones are for they're for mm -hmm. fighting or running they're not for deep philosophical you know intra introspection they're not for that that's well, not what those you see hormones that, do well you see that throughout history yeah all, right i mean all, you think about yeah. the greeks when when someone gets to a point where they're living in you know in a very comfortable existence they can then develop higher thoughts higher yes. more spiritual because they're not subsisting suffering at a base level just to get food and just to just to build shelter all the time if 90 percent of the time you're running around trying not to starve and trying to stay alive uh you got 10 percent to sleep and then you're <laughs> you're you're done it's a matter you're gonna live a short life short miserable life but once you master those which is what you said earlier we're at the top of the food chain but we're living like we're not and you have to feel i guess the old thing is stop and smell the roses right it's the oldest saying in the book but i think when we get those when we get into that the ancient greeks i think about right i mean they developed so, so much great philosophy and well how were they able to do that well they were able to stop having to stick saber-toothed tigers with a stick in a sense um i know they were gone by then i'm sure but you know they were they didn't have to just do base things right mm -hmm. but at the same time one of the things i described like my weight room at my house I think of it like it's the forest, right? So all the stuff I have in there mimics something I would do in, in a in a hunter-gatherer type of environment. Because I love Mark Sesson, right? The the primal blueprint, okay. uh, all that that work, right? He he's his all of his advice comes from his belief and understanding that we've been in the forest or the jungle or in the cave for 165,000 years. In, in a somewhat similar uh, state that we are now physiologically, visually, that kind of thing. Let's take okay. that time frame, for example. Um, and in there, we have a, from that, we've had the, uh, all, the stimuli that that gave us, what made us healthy. And then when we stepped out of that, so far out of that, that's when we really got ourselves in trouble, right? So we no longer live in any natural environment. So why is it so great to go for a hike? When they did a study on the best forms of exercise, for global health, mental, physical, spiritual, chemical, everything you could measure, hiking was the number one. It gave people enough strenuous exercise, bone density, oxygenation of the deep tissues, all that. Why? Well, it's the primary thing that everything that we did, right? We, we, were, we walked through jungles and forests. Sometimes we ran, other times we sat, but the hike was the middle ground, it was that the middle way of, of our existence. So it, it helps normalize things. Well, don't tell a CrossFitter that hiking is more important. <laughs> yeah, I don't need to slam you CrossFitters out there, but let's just look at that. I mean, so we have this CrossFit craze for people who don't know what that is. Um, you go to a gym, you usually work out with 10 or 20 people. Um, at the same time, you do a lot of aerobic activity with weights, high reps, mm -hmm. um, a lot of calisthenics, and the workout changes every day. So that in people are like, well, what, what's so attractive about that? They charge a lot of money for you to work out in a group, which blows my mind and that they get that. But the reason it's so addicting is it goes to that primal sense. That's why track and field is so attractive. Running away from the saber tooth tiger or weightlifting is so attractive. Picking up a rock and throwing it at the saber tooth tiger. The martial arts fighting the saber tooth tiger. The reason these, mm -hmm. these sports are so addictive is it reaches the, our primitive brain and tells us, yes, we're doing what we were designed to do. And a lot right. of times, 
you know, looking at what health is and, and building your immune system and building your spirituality, we go against what we were designed to do. We weren't designed actually to sit down and interact with this uh, piece of technology here. You know, that's not, mm -hmm. we weren't even supposed to have chairs, right? We're supposed to be squatting all the time or sitting on a log. Mm -hmm. um, so there's right. so many things about modern life and modern education, just watching my kids, you know, go through their young lives right now that, that are contrary to common sense if you understand biology. And then when you ask them if you want them to push themselves, um, you're going to get some pushback because the rest of the world accepts mediocrity. I mean, that's the real pandemic is a pandemic. It's an epidemic of mediocrity. And I mean, mediocrity of thought, reasoning, mm -hmm. intellect, and physicality. Yep. You know, mm -hmm. there's a reason I like I hanging out with people who squat a thousand or twelve hundred. There's a reason I like to be coached by people who bench eight hundred or, you know, I've worked out with people who bench press a thousand. Um, talk to them, interview them, you know, have them in my life as a mentor. Why? Because they have no fear. I mean, their idea of anxiety is so high to reach that point. I mean. Yep. It, it, it can't do. Why wouldn't you have a conversation with a commando, a Navy SEAL, a Green Beret, someone whose who's body, mind, and spirit have been trained to the point where th their idea of what causes them stress is so high, you can't even fathom it. Um, yeah, why like, you, you talk to them? That, go ahead. No, I'm just saying that these people on a, on a daily basis put dots outside the circle. Yes. Right? Yeah. You, you they live outside the circle. They don't even, they're probably not even comfortable in the circle. They're not. Right? There's, 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 there's no thrill in there, right? It's just that there's, there's a baseline. They sleep maybe in the middle. Then they wake up and they jump out of the circle and start hammering dots and, and making their sphere of influence and, and their, their, their whole concept just that much bigger. Yeah. My, my coach uh, is a pro power lifter, uh, James Burdett. He moved to California to work with Scott Mendelson. If you don't know who Scott Mendelson is, he bench presses like 1,100 pounds. Um, guy, he just, he just insane, crazy stuff for those who want to Google him. But James was uh, in the military, was in the Navy, shot at many times, um, went through every tour of duty he could get. And one time, you know, he's like five foot nothing and like 220 pounds and squats a thousand. And he's putting like 900 pounds, he's shaking. And I'm like, man, that was a little rough for you. And I go, you know, did it feel comfortable? And he, and he looked at me and he was straight. He wasn't trying to put on airs. There was no one around. He wasn't telling a joke. And he goes, Fred, I'm uncomfortable being comfortable. Yeah. Right. I'm more comfortable when I'm pushing myself to be better. Exactly. exactly. And this guy's in his forties. I'm in my fifties. And I'm like, did I just talk to a football coach? What the hell was that? And I kind of, kind of blew it off a little bit. And I said, oh, that was just all airs and just, you know, so much hogwash. And then I thought, no, people like that. And I'm the same way too. If I get too lazy and I'll call it laziness, if I'm sitting around and I'm resting, I don't feel right. I, I it's like something has to be done, you know, whether it's at the practice or should I be reading a book? Or who can I call? Who can I interview? Who can I talk to to make myself better? Because when I'm mm -hmm. when I'm laying in my deathbed, holding Belinda's hand, um, 
I don't want to, I don't want to leave anything here. I want to leave it yeah. all on the dance floor. You know what I'm saying? I mean, why Absolutely. not? Yeah, I agree. One of the questions I had for you, you know, as a society okay. right now in, in, in this, 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 uh, drama that we're living, <laughs> uh, most people are living, I know you're not living it. No, I'm not living the drama to, to the degree that, uh, I, I, I see around me. Um, what do you, what could you share with somebody to get them sort of in the zone that you and I exist in as far as what we accept, what we're willing to do, uh, best scenarios, the best understanding of your understanding of the immune system is so massive. Um, so something uh, that you can sum up to, to give our viewers a good idea of, you know, what can they do right now, uh, to get, to get themselves in a better place on all levels On all levels. Wow, that's a big question. So let's, let's, I'm going to unpack a few of those points. Um, the first thing is, um, why do you get up in the morning? I always ask patients, you know, what drives you? Why do you get up in the morning? I mean, if you have back pain, you have neck pain, if you got cerebral palsy, if you had a stroke, why don't you just lay there and die, right? Mm -hmm. Now, that mm -hmm. sounds like, oh, Fred, you don't really do that. Yes, ask my family and staff. I ask crazy questions. Because quite honestly, I want to know what motivates them. What's well, for my family? It's for my kids. Oh, good. That's healthy. Oh, right. All right. So you're motivated to get out, not for your job, but for your kids or your wife or your husband or your partner, whatever that motivates you. Okay. That's going to get you out. Okay. That's great. Then why don't you want to be the best you can be? Or I do. When I said, who in your life around you tells you and shows you ways to be the best you can be? And they say, well, just you, Dr. Clary. Okay, I'm your coach, but you need more. So the first thing I tell everyone is, you know, check your friends. Sorry, check your friend circle. And that, and that may mean you have to cut invisible ties with your family. If your family's all COVID scared and they're wearing goggles and masks and they're driving alone in their car, I mean, you got to be careful with people like that. I always know when I'm driving the car who to avoid, because if I see someone driving alone in the car and they got a mask, goggles and gloves on, I'm like, ah, oh, I'm slowing down. Get right away from them. They're going to cause an accident because they're they're afraid. They're afraid of dying. Well, are you really living? <laughs> if you got all that stuff on, you're not even living in the first place. So get out of the way, you know. So I, I'm, you know, like I tell people in powerlifting, I hate to keep going back to yeah. that. But like I tell people in powerlifting, the first thing you need is a coach, just like I did with you. I mean, you could have read on the Internet or read a book on powerlifting or how to squat or whatever. But having someone come to you and say, hey, come here, let me show you how this is done. We're going to get you some results now. And having someone who's got a keen trained eye, a keen trained critical thinking mind around you all the time and questions you. You don't want yes people. That's where we have problems in government right now. Um, if you flip on any of the the uh, talking heads on the news, you know, there's so much BS out there. And people say, well, Fred, what do you think about that? And I go, there's too many yes men and women. There's people that just agree instead of saying, hey, is there a better way to do this? Did you really get into the other person's shoes before you do this procedure or impeach this person or vote this way or kick this person out before you do any of that? Is it best for the little guy? Is it best for the middle guy? Is it best for the big guy? You have to have critical thinking. What plays, if I was a football coach, who are we playing? 
Oh, I don't know who we're playing next week. You mean you don't have a schedule? Where's your schedule? It's right here. I see a schedule. All right, you're playing, oh, Tampa Bay. Well, who are the players? I don't know. Well, do some research. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. Now, there's a big quarterback at Tampa Bay. How does he play? Go get the videos, do the research, read a book, and then pretty soon get around people who've played him. Ask the questions. What does he do? He changes everything. He's going to do pop, little pop flies and kill you because you're looking for the long bombs. And if you're looking for the long bombs, he'll do these. If you're looking for the short pop, pop passes, he'll switch and do the long bombs. How do you play him? Uh, you got to have a better defensive line. Oh, that's how they beat him before. Okay, maybe we'll try that. That takes effort. And you do that with life. When you look at your health and when someone says, oh, you know, wear this mask. And I'm, I'm not here to debate masks or not. That's not what it's for. But I always say, well, why? D does it help? Do we have research? Well, that's what everyone else says to do. I don't care what they say. They've been, they've been incorrect over 56 times on, of many things about this COVID. So, and I've been keeping track. So I'm like, okay, so what does that mean? Social distancing, does that work? What does that really help? Okay, what about my physical health? We're talking about defense. Can I, can I beat this thing? There's no one in there to say they can beat this thing, but they talk about asymptomatic people and it doesn't affect the kids. Well, what are they doing right? Why aren't we studying? Why aren't we studying the people, the winners, instead of talking about the losers? You flip on TV, oh, this yeah. person died of this disease or COVID or whatever. And I'm like, well, that's great. You know, it's horrible, but it's great. You, you're trying to study the death, but why don't you start the winners? I don't know. If I was in the NFL and trying to be, a Super Bowl champion, I study the formula procedures of the Super Bowl winners. I study the winners. I don't go and study the losers. If I want, when I was a teenager, and this is before the internet, we had rotary phones. This would have been the 80s. There's a guy named Anthony Clark. He was a year older than me. He was, uh, he was the strongest teenager in the world for a while. He's the first teenager to bench 600. You know, he squatted like 800 as a kid and he was in uh, Houston, uh, Texas. And I was in, I was a freshman in college and I'm like, damn, I, and I knew he worked out at, uh, he owned a world's, he was a young kid that owned a gym, just like I owned a world's gym, very young. So I'm like, called him up and I'm like, dude, you know, this is Frank Clay. Oh, I remember you from Nashville. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just squatted 800. I saw it in Power from USA magazine. You had to wait months to get results back then. And I'm like, can I come train with you? So I had to pack up my car, drive all the way from Baltimore to Houston to learn 15 minutes worth of tips. Now, of course, everyone's a biologist, an expert, an epidemiologist, because they go to the Google machine or they get on their laptop and someone told them this is an expert or they watch a short YouTube. One thing you have to do is do the work yourself. You have to do the research and you start with getting people around you that support success. And that may be getting a new spouse or, and I'm not advocating go get divorced, but you're going to have to have that hard conversation, honey, you know, this is what I believe. I'm going to change jobs. I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to lose a hundred pounds. And she'll go, oh, you've said that last year. You'll never do that. Well, you're not. If you stay in that house, mm. well, honey, you know what? I'm going to move out to an apartment. And what do you mean? You're getting separate? No, I'm going to get in shape and I'm going to get people around me that support me. And once I get in shape, I'll come back and then I'll help you. Mm. For Fred, that's pretty hard. Um, that's the only way it's going to work. 
And when you have those hard conversations, you know, I mean, I've had hard conversations with patients. I treat a lot of athletes, kids five foot one. I know you like basketball. You ain't going to make the NBA. Sorry, you're not. Yeah. Or I talk to a kid who's six foot one and weighs 150 pounds. You're not going to make the NFL, kid. I, I weigh 330 and I'm, I'm six foot one. And, you know, you'd have to gain 200 pounds just to be a decent offensive lineman, you know, and you just can't eat enough food. Um, you're not wired that way. Having truth around you, common sense, that's what you have to start doing. And a lot of us don't do that. A lot of us have yes people around us that just validate, oh, he's a bad professor. He's a bad teacher in school. Well, screw that. If they're a bad teacher, a bad professor, and I've had those, you know, I went and got a different book. I went and got mentors or people that helped me. I found that assistant lab, uh, you know, the lab assistant in organic chemistry who would sit down with me for an hour a week to show me some of the stuff that I didn't understand. I found a way to do it. You know, they always say it's the teacher's job to communicate and that's true. But if they suck, it's the student's job to squeeze everything out of life. Every moment you have in that classroom, every moment you have, you should be squeezing it. And I've always had that life philosophy and I try to give it to my patients that why aren't you squeezing everything you can out of life? And if you don't have people around you that think the same way, mm -hmm. you may want to start thinking about spending minor time with them. You want to spend major time with major people and minor time with minor people. And, and again, it's, oh, Fred, that's judgy. Why would you spend your time hanging out with a heroin addict unless you're trying to help them and sitting there and watching them do heroin? Well, Fred, I would never do that. What's the difference of someone watching a sitcom and not going to the gym? It's the same thing. It's intellectual heroin. They're just numbing themselves. If you can't have a deep conversation about history or sociology or psychology, or you, you, don't, have, you don't have goal setting days with your spouses or your friends, what are you doing? I mean, really, you're wasting your time and it's okay. You know, if you want to be a sheep, go be a sheep. And that's what the problem is. You turn on TV, there's a lot of sheep, but you weren't designed for that. No. Every one of those people that were born that sit around and just watch Netflix, they were born with more inside. It's called DNA. We all have similar DNA. And if, if this person can do it, I will find the way that I can do it. And if I have obstacles thrown at me and physical maladies, then I'll go to a chiropractor or go to a doctor. I'll go to a coach. I'll find ways to go around it because I'm smart enough to say, you know what? I can't figure this out. Let me find someone who's smarter than me and go for it. I have a lot of coaches in my life and will continue to. And when I outgrow that coach, you get someone stronger and smarter. You go to the next one. Mm -hmm. My whole goal when I coach powerlifting and I do a lot of life coaching and mentoring is my, I start off and saying, I want you to outgrow me. Mm -hmm. That is the goal. And when you outgrow me, mm -hmm. I've won. Yeah, absolutely. I remember Dr. Sweary, Joe Sweary back at the chiropractic couch talking yeah. about uh, the, the true professional was almost designed to eliminate him, his own, the need for him. Yes. Right. So yes. if everyone was well and your job was to do surgery, let's say, uh, if you if you really taught people how not to destroy themselves and you fix the ones that did destroy themselves and word got out, 
and everybody followed what you said because you were impressive enough and, and empowering enough to get people to then change behaviors, you wouldn't have to do that surgery anymore, let's say, because people learned how not to destroy themselves and you just eliminated yourself, which is fantastic because then you could free yourself to move up to the next level of development and do something even greater than just a knee surgery or a back fusion or whatever, uh, taking gallbladders out because people don't know how to eat, right? You teach people uh, how to do this and going back to that thing that a doctor is a teacher, right? There's their primary thing. What can, you know, it means you've, you've gotten to the point of, of knowledge that you can profess, right? Uh, your, uh, your, your knowledge to people and change lives because you have a, a degree or a, a, life, a lifetime's worth of study. Like one of the things I always know about you, you're reading books like they're like other people eat lollipops. You know? I mean, <laughs> I don't know how many books you've, you've read this week, right? <laughs> I try to read a textbook a week. Yeah, it, it's, it's very motivating to me because anytime I feel a little bit lazy about something, I think, oh, come on, Fred already read three books today. You know, you've got, <laughs> you've got to get this book done this week. You can do one a week. I know Fred's amazing, but you could do one a week, can't you? You know, and that's, that's like I said, I've always had that admiration of your, your power and your want, uh, your, your thirst for just making the world around you better and, and, and pushing yourself and pushing other people around you. It's just amazing. It, it, well, thank you. And, and, and I want to say something. Uh, you said the word power. I had a conversation. Oh, I got to be careful. I got to watch the HIPAA stuff. Um, but in the past, because I've said this to many patients, just not the one. Um, got to be careful with HIPAA because you can't figure it out. But somebody was very addicted, right? Youngster. And I was just, you know, working on them and talking to them. And I'm like, you know what? Why do you give your power away? And they were like, what? You give your power. You're smart. You have a job. You, you know, going to school, you have all these amazing things going for you, right? You're an amazing human being. And because you think you're mad at your mom or your dad or some creeper did something obnoxious and horrible to you, you're going to give your power away to them in that memory. And I said, why do you give your power away to a drug, potion, or lotion? That makes no sense. When I read a book all the time, or in, when I deep dive into some of these subjects, I'm gaining power. I'm filling up my bank account. I'm filling up my gas tank. So when something, someone comes to me, oh, Fred, this is a novel COVID virus. You want to see the two textbooks I have on it? It's not novel at all. It doesn't work that way. And I have this confidence because I've already been there. You know, people say, oh, what's it like to squat 800? Why don't you go find out, you know, go work out and find out what it takes. Um, it takes a lot of work. This is easy, reading and educating yourself. We all have the same mind. So just moving on when I, it's so funny, I have two textbooks on coronaviruses that came out. The latest one is like 2017 at the office, sitting next on the waiting in the waiting room, these textbooks. Because when people come to me and they act like experts, I go, have you read the textbooks? And they're like, what do you mean textbooks? The textbooks on coronaviruses. Mm -hmm. No. Where did you get your information? Good morning, America. I mean, really? <laughs> exactly. You didn't read this? I yep. said, do you really want to go to toe to toe on something you're not even educated on? Mm -hmm. I would never, never come up to like, I have a real estate guy in my, in my building. I haven't read many books on real estate investing and all that. That's what this guy does. That's his wheelhouse. I would never take him on. You know, you, you don't go to a knife fight, you know, with a water gun. You just don't show up there. It won't work. Um, so I would never, I would never challenge him. 
the most amazing thing that's happening lately, Doc, and maybe you can talk about that because I'm confused, is how everyone is now a keyboard biologist and epidemiologist. Mm -hmm. Everyone knows more about, you know, oh, you got to wear this, you got to wear your mask, you got to have this hygiene, you got to do this. And I'm like, you know, you have a coronavirus on you. How many coronaviruses did you have last year? What do you mean? Well, you know, when you went to your doctor and you had that cough and he checked for strep and it was negative and he checked for influenza is negative and he said, you just have some virus. That was either OC43, NL63, HKU1 or 229E or RSV A or B. Those are the six viruses you could have had, but it's too expensive to check for them. It's not some virus. It has a name and a label. And there's probably OC43, where you are, Doc, it's usually 229E. It's a coronavirus. But no one talked about that. If we had been educating as doctors, our patients, that most 30% of the common colds are caused by coronavirus, when you said the word coronavirus, people wouldn't have freaked out. I'm like, oh, wow, we got this new one. You know, what do we do with it? So, so part of this is this, this is education, is keeping your power. Now, mm -hmm. sitting there watching Fox News or CNN or MSNB Hee Haw or whatever, watching that crap, you, you're just getting fed information and maybe it's disinformation. The only way you will know is to do the work yourself. So one, put people around you that support what you think they support your success, they support your exploration and squeezing everything you can get out of the world. Mm -hmm. And the second thing is you got to do the work. You know, Absolutely. don't don't say you should wear masks because the governor says so. Um, you're an adult. You got kids at home. I mean, really, you want to protect your kids? Then read an effing book. You know, read a textbook. Do the work. What if someone yeah. lies to you? Well, what do you mean someone lies to you? I don't know. You're divorced. Your husband lies to you for years and you accepted that. No more lies. Just say no. No more to lies. Do the work yourself and read. And when you read the plan, you read the program and you realize, you know, well, wait a minute. These textbooks are written by the experts and it's not matching what's out there. You start getting some confidence and you understand how the world works. And once you yeah. understand how this body works, You'll be amazed. Like, I, how many of your patient stocks don't even know what a carbohydrate is? Yeah. Don't know what protein is. Mm -hmm. Oh, can I get protein from cheese? Barely. Can I get protein from my tortilla chips? No. <laughs> you know? Well, I think one of the things that you get into, and we've talked for years, is about the limited value of fear. Yes. Right? I mean, the short, you mentioned earlier in this podcast, the, the, the short term designed that it was it was designed for short-term saber-tooth tiger action yeah. not for a lifestyle correct and i think when one of the things that i do when i feel fear is i try to take action to educate myself or figure out or question what's really going on i mean an analogy i can have is if there's a loud sound in my backyard it's kind of scary if i hear some throaty voices back there and there's something going on in my backyard well, I could pull the covers over my head and hope for the best and mm -hmm. shiver, or I can get the bat by the bed, the taser that I have, the, the, the machete that I have by my door, and I could slowly walk through the house and, you know, be the, be the person I was meant to be, someone mm -hmm. brave protecting his wife and kids from, from something potentially harmful. 
could be some kid skinny dipping in my pool and I just got to yell to tell him to get out of there. <laughs> or it could be something horrifying that I'm going to have to deal with, right? Yep. But what did I do? I didn't, I didn't maintain the fear. I didn't stay in the state of fear. I took on that in action, right? Well, why do people jump when they're scared, right? Well, you're, you're actually getting ready. Yes. That nervous system is yes. getting ready to do what it has to do. You used to talk about warming up the nervous system, yep. not just muscles. Yeah. And I think it's, a, it's an amazing thing when you understand fear, you use it as a tool, you know it's short term, and it gives you the energy it's supposed to give you, and then you, go you get focused and you take action. Um, that, that to me is, is what it's all about. I, I, don't, I, I, I had a friend of mine get into that 23andMe, which I'm sure you know about, mm -hmm. and he then got his data and then read more, like extrapolations of what mm -hmm. the data told him. And one of the things he found out is that he had this warrior gene. I didn't get a mm -hmm. chance to look into this yet. Maybe you know a little more about it. But he said, the warrior gene doesn't allow you to maintain fear for very long. No. Take action. Yep. And I yep. said, wow, I don't really consider myself, some might, some might not, a warrior. Because, you know, I'm, I'm probably a little bit more of a lover than a fighter. But uh, I'm not afraid to fight. But I, I really don't love it. Uh, in, whether it be physical or, you know, anything uh, really rough verbal stuff. Um, but I thought to myself, I can't maintain a state of fear. It's extremely uncomfortable to the point where I am running right at the saber-toothed tiger sooner or later. At first, I'm going to go, okay, it's a big saber-toothed tiger. I got a sharp stick. I'm going to come up over there, or maybe I'll get it later tonight uh, when it's dark or when it's light or when it's blind or when it's sleeping. I, you know, I'm going to put some time in. I'm not staying in the cave for four, six, eight months, right? I'm not staying yeah. in the cave for eight months. I, I'm incapable. Other people are capable. God bless yeah. them. You want to hide from this thing and you're capable of doing that and it's not destroying you. You're a subset of the population. Fantastic. Just don't tell me what to do. I'm yeah. not telling you what to do. You want to and please don't breathe. No, did I say that out loud? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> don't do breathe. If you want to ask my advice. Yeah. If you want to ask my advice, I'm going to tell you how wrong that is. But at the same time, you know, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to get you healthy so you can withstand yeah. breathing and moving around and doing basic stuff, you know, uh, like it's education to get rid of fear. Uh, go look it up. One thing that happened to me is a patient said, oh, this virus lives on plastic surfaces for this long, lives on metal surfaces for this long. They came in with this list of all this new stuff because I had historically talked this virus mm -hmm. with this patient. And I think they were kind of, you know, coming in kind of proud that they did some homework because I actually said, yeah. you know, read a little more, read a little more. And they came back with this and I thought, okay, um, she, so the, this individual said, well, what, am, what are we going to do? It lives on surfaces and it's on bags and I should, I should spray down my groceries. And I'm like, all right, let me just tell you something. I didn't go over this, but there's this thing called viral load. Okay, mm -hmm. you gotta get a number of these things. And the example I use, cause I just couldn't think of a better example. You try not to get you know, into, into overt uh, or any type of sexual talk these days. Um, but I said, you know, you think about what sperm does, right? What does it do? There's a whole bunch of them. They go in and they swim and then one makes it and most of them die. You think about sea turtles, maybe I'll stick with this analogy just a little better. A whole bunch of sea turtles are born on the sand and they yeah. have to make it to the water. Hundreds. The birds are coming down eating these things like triskets, right? And uh, you know, maybe uh, maybe 50 make it to the water, right? Because yeah. they had the bigger quads, they had quads like yours. So they're, they're making it in the sand. Um, and uh, so, so when, you, when you think about what is this virus, you need a load. You need to break the body down by getting so much of it in you, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I've heard, 10,000 viral particles to likely get sick. There's all kinds of stuff out there. But, you know, are you going to run your tongue along the surfaces? Okay, that might work. You might, you know, but, you know, 
there, there's there's precautions I'll take, but I, but to get to this point uh, that we see people destroying themselves with fear, yes. destroying their, their their children's health, mental health. Yes, it's just it's just so ridiculous that I you know and what and and you know and, and the conspiracy theories uh, keep people keep shoveling coal into some of these things uh, because you think well why else would we be doing this why else would they want us to behave this way what do they really want what do governments tend to do. Uh, I've had so many people look up the definition of tyranny, didn't even know what it was, right? I said, you know, governments tend towards tyranny um, and we have these amazing constitutional rights and uh, we really need to support this kind of thing, right? So we get into, you know, that kind of thing, you know? So, so what you're saying, Doc, and I totally agree with you is, uh, you know, we're dumbing down our children not only with, you know, fear is a virtue now, mm. you know, oh, it's like, why is it a virtue? It's like a participation uh, award or trophy. You know, I, I, I was a, a, a soccer coach, believe it or not, for one day. <laughs> Let me tell you the story. So I bring my, I was a single dad at the time. I bring my girls over to the soccer field. They have the little uniforms on. They may have been like six and four. Mm -hmm. and uh, we get over there and like, oh, Dr. Claire, we want you to, you know, coach this team or do this team, and I'm like, great, all right, I'll do that, and, uh, you know, I'm saying, you know, someone scores, and I go, blue one, yellow zero. Oh, no, 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 Dr. Clary, wait a minute, wait a minute. We don't keep score. I go, excuse me? I say that again? Oh, we don't keep score. I said, wait a minute. The world keeps score. Their boss is going to keep score. The IRS keeps score. Oh, yeah. The rest of the world keeps score. We need to prepare these kids for winning and losing. Mm -hmm. The best thing they can do is lose and learn what they need to do to win. We ha winning has to be a virtue. Mm -hmm. Winning has to be a virtue. Yeah. So needless to say, I grabbed my two kids and walked off the field. But <laughs> guess what? I was in the very, very small minority. I bet. You yeah, know, just put up with it. Yeah. Yeah. And people and people think it's OK. Well, Fred, what are you saying that, you know, we're not all, uh, uh, you know, built alike and create alike? No, we're not. We're not created equal. But that's not what the Constitution says. OK, we were giving equal rights. But let me load up a bench press with 500 pounds and put it over your neck and see if you live. You're not going to, yeah. um, you know. Let me see you try to fold a fitted sheet like my wife can do, like with one hand. It's amazing. She can do origami. Okay. Um, you know, you'll be pulling your hair out. Just throw the damn thing in the closet. Damn fitted sheets. You know, not everyone is created equal. That's the beautiful mosaic of humanity we have. Black, green, red, purple, skinny, bulky, overweight, underweight, you know, intellectually smart musicians arts i mean it it's just amazing i love being a human being and seeing how everyone's different how can you not love humanity you know exactly, exactly. Yeah. what i want to say yeah what i want to interject in that is one of my things my father used to always tease people he had a big massive heart yeah. very funny man and he could get away with saying things to people on an ethnic and racial basis that most people couldn't get away with and that always fascinated me Gee, I, I would never think of saying that that guy. Uh, I don't know how that's funny. Like everyone's laughing. Um, but I realized something that if anyone that knew my father knew he had a lot of love for everybody. Mm -hmm. 
So if he pointed out your skin color and he pointed out that you were short or that your nose was big, whatever, and made some fun about it, he was just as welcoming to get the criticism too, right? He could dish it out and yeah. take it. Not everything was funny. Um, you knew, God, this guy loves me. He's just, he's just pointing out something I already know and he's clearing the air. He's pointing the elephant out in the room. Let's get that done. And uh, it was, you know, so to me, humanity being so varied, even people that come from backgrounds that I don't understand, I don't hate them for it. I'm no. not, I'm gifted, I guess, that I don't have a hateful personality, right? Yeah. But I, 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 what I find different, when someone's different than me, I think it's interesting. I don't think it's, yeah. I'm not afraid of it because I'm not fear-based either, thank God. Um, so between not having that fear, I don't have that uh, easy to go to hate when someone is different. Different yeah. is fascinating, right? I mean, I don't like arrogance. There's a couple of things that get under my skin. Um, by no means am I perfect, but that that mosaic, like you're saying, that's you know, that 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 is something that with that we should all we should all be thankful for. And so. and that's what you have to put around you too. Mm -hmm. um, I moved back into the city so the kids could go to a uh, St. Paul City School where they're in the minority or close to being in the minority. Um, why? Because the best way to get rid of prejudice and racism is make that mosaic common. You can come to our house and it's the UN at any one time. <laughs> and that's wonderful. And, you know, on my powerlifting team, it's the UN. We have Christian, non-Christian, Muslims. We're, but we're all on the team and we're trying to squat more and we sweat on each other and mm -hmm. share each other's biome, awesome. you know? And that's a wonderful thing. Those are the people you have to put around you. If you have, anytime you get someone around you that limits you with hate speech, and I don't mean, you know, the stuff that you see on TV now, I'm, I'm talking about hate speech toward you. Don't count your chickens to your ha their hatch, Mike. You may not be able to do that. Well, that's hate speech. They're hating on you. You know, I want my kids to do better than I, I am. I want all my friends to do better. Um, you know, I got a, I'm working rehabilitating a bad back right now. You know, I went in Tuesday just to spot and load and cheer these people on. Now I could have stayed home and watched Netflix. I'm watching some, I'm watching some good ones series right now. But I said, no, I have to get up. I got to do my rehab and I'm going to spot, load, coach, and I'm going to, I'm going to cheer them on. I'm humanity's biggest cheerleader. Mm -hmm. I want my patients to do well. I want, I mean, I, I can't wait. I, I, I'm looking forward to it. I think Tuesday, I'm going to interview um, Brian Carroll, who, you know, injured his back and came back and set world records, but he just squatted 1306. I'm going to, is he from Colorado? I, I think so. I think so. Or may, no, I think he's from the East Coast. He may be from New York. I'll find out. Um, the name. Yeah, the name. yeah, Brian Carroll. But, you know, the thing is, it's like, Fred, you know, I'm so excited about interviewing. I'll try not to fangirl. But here's someone in their one, you know, the one area in life. They're the best ever. Why wouldn't you want to rub elbows with that every day? Exactly. The best pianist, the best singer, mm -hmm. the best runner. I mean, I mean, people are like, I don't run. But when I have a patient who comes in who's like number five in Spartan, do you know what that is? Yeah. It kind of is like CrossFit yeah. outside and you sure. jump over things and carry sandbags and run like, you know, a marathon. It's crazy. But you run through mud. 
Well, he's in Spartan and he's like ranked top five and sometimes number one. And this guy, and he's always ripped. And I'm like, you know, he's got the bumps of shame on his stomach. That's abs people. We call powerless call those bumps of shame, you know? <laughs> and, you know, I, I don't do what he does, but it's the mindset that's similar. Yeah. You know, that mindset. And it's like the more people I can put around my life and talk to like that and email and text and message. I mean, we're so busy sending weird memes to everyone to laugh or gossiping. You want to gossip? Why not gossip on yourself and say, okay, how can I lose how can I lose five pounds of fat this week? All right, gossip. How can I do more push-ups? How can I read, like you were saying, another book? Because I can't believe you're not doing a book a week. Because I know you have the ability. You know, you got older kids. You're not I'm changing not. diapers anymore. So no, I'm not. It's over. <laughs> well, I'm on it now. Now that you said that, I'm gonna have to. You know. Yeah, you're gonna have to. Two. And Two just weeks. and Two pick weeks. pick pick rotate so it's fun. Like I I pick a history book. I do yeah. do fiction sometimes. Mm-hmm. I like historical fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, then I'll you know well I got tons of them here. Um, I'll pick a book on something way out that I won't be into. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah, Ali Parton's biography. <laughs> you know, I don't like country music, but you know what? I read it because I learned some amazing things. Her patience oh, for success. Right. She's amazing. She just did yeah. the same thing every day and mm-hmm. it was all positive. And her, her whole philosophy is don't worry about taking three steps forward, two steps back. Just yeah. take a half step forward, but every day. Wow. I mean, think about that. Yeah, it I remember powerful. one time. Uh, one time hearing somebody say, you know, it's, it's oftentimes overwhelming to uh, achieve a big goal, right? You don't know yep. where to start. You don't know how to get it going. And some people, they're out of gas. They're just depressed. They, they haven't got their physical act together. The diet yeah. isn't right. So uh, this gentleman's advice was, what's the smallest thing you can do today to move in the direction, in the right direction? Because at least you're going in the right direction. What's, what's the smallest thing? And then for some, for people with low energy, that's, ap- that's very appealing. Like yeah. I would never say that to you. I'd never say, Fred, what's the smallest thing? I'm going to say, Fred, what's the thing you can do today to get 90% to your goal in 15 minutes, right? I mean, because that's just, yeah, I, I just know what, you, what you're made on. But this has been great, Fred. We've been talking a little bit, a little while. We, I think we're going to have to do multiple versions of this. Okay. okay. I, you're an awesome guest. Oh, I mean, thank you. Thank you, you. So many topics you and I can cover. One of the things I wanted to talk with, uh, sort of maybe end with, is for me, I, I know you, you set goals and you, you, you achieve them and you've done it over and over and over again. Where do you see yourself in five years? What do you think is going to be the next thing Fred does? Because I wanted to get into your chiropractic technique that, that you put together. Uh, we should probably do a whole podcast just on chiropractic techniques. That would be cool. Oh, we, we could do a whole podcast on that. Yeah. yeah, just to expand people's understanding of what chiropractic is because people yeah. still think it's necks and backs, right? So in, in, five, in five years, where do, where do you, what do you think you're going to be doing? What do you want to expand and what do you want to contract? Um, what I want to expand is I want to be an international um, powerlifting referee. So yeah. I can go like the Worlds are next year, I think, in Portugal, Lisbon. Yeah. Are they Lisbon? Or they, yeah, I think they're, in, I, I don't know if they're in Spain or they're in Portugal. Anyway, um, I want to go over there and sit down in a chair and have that as a business write off and, you know, take my wife and spend some time on the beach and have my foot in the door. Um, yeah. I want to start promoting some more bodybuilding shows. Um, once we get through this COVID thing, I was teaching neurology nationally all over different states um, 
uh, training other chiropractors to be chiropractic neuro uh, neurologists. I'd like to start doing that again, but have more of a symposium where, you know, I, I just once a month teach for three days straight and like, you know, here you go. Here's a, here's a fire hydrant. I'm going to open it up, open your mouth, you know, um, and let them take a big drink. I'd like to do those kind of things. Um, in five years, um, I'm going to be helping my wife with her midwifery practice. She's almost done and we'll probably move and downsize so we can do some more traveling. We've already discussed what we're gonna do in five years. We do more traveling. She's a pro power lifter and we wanna bounce around all over the world. We have friends all over. Um, we've been invited to Cairo, Egypt by the Egyptian team um, to go there for two weeks, all expense paid, all that. Awesome. So she just got done, you know, we'd like to be able to do that. Well, we still have young kids that, you know, you can't leave alone for, you know, for two, three weeks, we probably could I'm sure there won't be too many red solo cups found when we come back. <laughs> I've had but, that experience. That yeah, bad experience. That exactly. Yeah. But, you know, um, you know, we have a 14, you know, 16, you know, 14, 15, 16, 18, 22 year olds. And the yeah. 22 year old just moved out. So everyone's going to be clicking off. So in the next five years, um, I'm going to be doing, doing some of those things, you know, more fun um, and uh, doing more things like this, more teaching the yeah. general public. That's all you I know, one thing I've learned in this pandemic is the it's a pandemic of ignorance. Mm. Most people, and I knew this being a chiropractor for 29 years, like you were saying, that most people don't know how their bodies work. Yeah. But because of that ignorance, 90% of humanity, and that means the whole world, got flim flammed, got hoodwinked on how this virus works how dangerous it was, all this stuff. It was all a bunch of crap. It didn't even follow biology that the people wrote in the textbooks. And I want, I want people to have that information, that knowledge intuitively, they should. You're yeah. gonna have this earth suit around for 80 years, we hope. Mm -hmm. Well, more people know about you know the NFL scores on a playoff weekend than they knew, know how their T cells work. And that's Absolutely. dumb, Absolutely. that's dumb. Yeah, people just were not taught a basic immune system, anatomy, physiology, and biochemistry. No. It's shocking. And I, I, I knew it before because I'd bring up something like the hygiene hypothesis. Yeah. And, and, and you get the deer in the headlights and I'm like, oh, please look that up because you got to understand how clean to be and how dirty to be. There's a zone, right? You don't want to mm -hmm. open sewers. Yes. You don't want to open sewers. Sweet if you spot. Start yeah, if you start bleaching yeah. your life, you're going to end yeah. up in big trouble. So. Yeah. Awesome, Fred. That, that that that's fantastic. I appreciate you coming on today, because uh, I mean we're gonna. I think we're gonna do a series of these with you because uh, there's just so many topics, and I think you and I are just uh, a good pair of uh, to wrap back and forth till uh, till the oh, cows yeah. come home. You know. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, all right, give your wife a big hug for me. Mutual, mutual. I want to meet your wife someday. I've never had the pleasure, but I I, I watch her on uh, Facebook and. Uh, <laughs> I can tell, like I've said, said to you before, you, you, I know you found the perfect mate there. Oh, yeah. Thank you. She's like a celebrity. Like <laughs> when we go to like powerlifting meets, like we went to this one in South Dakota to qualify for Worlds. I'm standing over there trying to get my registration card. And the woman was looking down registering us. And they're like, oh, my God, the Clary's are here. The Clary's here. Belinda's here. Belinda Clary. And then she looked up and I go, yeah, we won't damage too much, I hope. You know, so it. Yeah, when she when I always think she's going to be stolen either by the Germans or the Egyptians because she's 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 quite personable and charismatic. 
Yeah. And uh, it, it is interesting how she has friends all across the world, you know, Amen. in this sport. So um, we're going to have some fun. Good. Good, Fred. Hey, I'll talk to you soon, buddy. Have, all a, right, great mate, day. have a good one. My pleasure. Take care. All right. Bye-bye.